this is Ray Houghton, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name is J-Mac and I'll be hosting this one. Threes all around, three points, three wins, three goals. All in all, a complete three-dom pass at this train station to blow commuters such as Chris Martin back to Derby. We'll be discussing all things good and bad from this match, mostly good. With me to do so are Tom Selleck's surrogate brother, Mr. Don Love, and the man who blows the very definition of tact into ashes is Mr. Matt Frenchy Beauclair. Don't mind if I do. Now, first things first, to the hundreds of thousands of our listeners, we apologise for no QPR reaction show. It was the focus team meetup this evening of the West London derby, and somehow we accidentally ended up in a QPR pub. We lost four that night. But nonetheless, the candle certainly burnt both ends, and a pod wasn't doable with the time spared. Lots of us from all corners of the world came to meet, and including Don Love, of course, from Full America. Don, let's have a quick summary of your trip to the cottage and what you made of this great comeback of a very famous game as a Fulham fan and as, a, as an Atlantic pond crosser. Just so it, it was really awesome to meet all of you and everybody on the, the focus team, or the, you know, the majority of our uh, media and, and pocket uh, podcast crew. So uh, it, awesome to be in the pub with all of you. Great to be drinking, meeting Robin and Christine and all, all, all the players, you know, you, you, it was really great to, that Christine could make it. She flew all the way in from LA. So cheers to her for that. Um, you know, we got a great group photo, so that was really nice. And then we had a nice walk uh, all the way to the, um, from the Hammersmith over to uh, the, the cottage. Really great atmosphere i have to say i know some people have been complaining that without the riverside you know we've lost some of the atmosphere i didn't sense that at all i I thought the atmosphere was fantastic seats really good you know we were down in the uh, johnny haynes stand not far from where actually danny boy sits um so you know all good i missed the first goal my wife wanted to go into the store and get my son a retro jersey and so we dashed in there real quick, got the thing. And by then, QPR had already scored. So I, I, I can't tell you what the hell happened to that first goal. I, I read online. I went back and watched it. Obviously, we were asleep and everything. But when we scored that our first goal, everybody around me went nuts. And it was just screaming. You know, you're, you lose your voice because you're screaming so much and having so much fun. So the only other two other experiences I'll mention real quick about the whole QPR match uh one is uh was in the late second half uh if you watch go to fulham tv and and pull up the 90 minute replay of qpr it's at the uh one hour and 17 minutes mark there's a great little breakaway uh there we're, we're clearing the ball out of our out of the box and it gets sent long to actually, this was actually really awesome because this is not something we normally do. You know, we normally take our time and play it around. It was sent long and AK-47, he just did this great one-touch back. I can't remember who it was, uh, Johansson or somebody, who then turned around and set him on his run. 
Well, he was coming so hard and fast, and he had beaten the defense. The goalie came out, and he basically just cleared it. But when he did, it was coming right in the stands at me and my wife. And it was coming pretty fast and hard, and it was coming at our face level. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, th- we're going to get hit. And I knew I couldn't catch it. It was just going so hard so fast. So I took both fists like a goalie, and I just punched it as hard as I could, cleared it back onto the pitch. Everybody around me jumped up and was screaming and, and, and cheering me on and, and high-fiving me. A couple of guys were making some uh, comments. I, I feel sorry to say this, but they said I was better than Betts in, in goal, so they were going to offer me a contract. So, yeah, that was a really good uh, uh, unexpected uh, event that happened. The only downside to this whole thing, and I'd ask you guys if you have ever experienced this, was, you know, I've been to Brentford away. I've been to a couple games at the cottage, but I've never had to deal with a, a, a fan from the other team that was just a jerk. And my wife and I, we we were outside, just stepped outside the turnstiles. And I turned on my phone and I was bringing up Google Maps, you know, to figure out the best way to go back to where we were staying for our, our hotel. And I looked up and a couple feet away, there was this older gentleman, slightly older than me, walking towards me. And he leans in and does a little shoulder tackle into my chest and just looks at me and starts, you know, yelling at me and, you know, watch where I'm going. What are you doing? I was like, what the hell? You know, whatever, dude. So as I turned to walk away, his younger counterpart got up in my face and was like, you, you want to kick off? Or what is the phrase you guys say? Dust off or whatever. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, you want to go or something like that? And I was like, dude, don't be a dick. He actually looked at me for a second. And I, and I turned around and I pointed to where there was a, a woman on a horse, the, the police, and he walked away real fast. He didn't say anything else. He just walked away. So I've never run into fans. I know they were mad they lost. and It was a great comeback by Fulham, but that was a real dick move by uh, an opposing team fan. I'd never experienced that before. E- even in all the MLS games and stuff I've ever gone here in the States, that was the first time. So... That was the only bad thing that happened that whole uh, uh, day or that whole evening with you guys. So if, if that was the worst thing, it was a fantastic night overall. So You must have that look about you, mate. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's a dick. Go, go, go ahead and screw with him. <laughs> I love how you just also said just this woman on a, her horse just shut up. I just completely didn't think about what you were saying for a second. And I just forgot, obviously, it was a, a, poli- a female police officer. <laughs> you know, we walked another block and there was a kickoff, or a little scuffle going on uh, that the horses, you know, were in the middle breaking up. Uh, so nice. I, I guess QPR has got some. You know, the hooligan wannabes out there still. Well, you know, Friday, it's Friday night. Everyone's had a drink. <laughs> or, yeah. or too many. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, actually, we were quite tame last night. I didn't have a drink at all. Frenchie, I think you drove, didn't you, to the game? Did, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about let's talk about Derby last night. Let's talk about it. So the lineup, the opening lineup, we had... AK-47 keeping his place, and as we predicted, he was on the right-hand side replacing Knockout because there's no way you can drop Mitro. Um, Harrison Reed injured, Bobby Reed starting. Uh, what's anything that stood out for you particularly with this lineup, Mr. Frenchy? I know you love talking about a lineup, but we may as well do it. Um, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm not AK-47's biggest fan in the world, um, as you all know. I've slated him on the pod. I've, I've slated him in our WhatsApp group. Even after he scored a couple of goals the other night, I 
I still don't race him, but a bloke who comes in and scores two goals, difficult to drop. And um, and I thought he was excellent against Derby, but we'll come on to that later on. The Harrison Reed thing was obviously um, enforced. Um, I think there were some question marks over how well that midfield would work together with Johansson, Kearney, and who was the other one? Remind Bobby me. Bobby Reed. Of course, it was Bobby Reed. Um, but it seemed to work, and I don't know. I, I mean, we're going to come on to this as well, but I, I thought we were, we played excellently well throughout the whole game. But I don't know how much that was to do with Derby being an absolute crap side and us being excellent, probably somewhere in the middle. But I don't think there's anything too much to worry about with that midfield. The defence picked itself. Rodak's number one at the moment. Um, and of course, Mitrovic comes back in because he's the best player in the league. So no complaints about the lineup from me. All right, fair enough. And and Don, let's go to you. But Chris Martin uh, started for Derby and also Scott Malone was on the bench. Very different reception from the Fulham fans for this one. I mean, um, <laughs> what were your thoughts on Chris Martin starting? Did you want him to get to as badly as the rest of us did? You know, he, I didn't think he really made that much of an impact in the game. He, he It was almost like he was not even on the pitch. So I, I would say Chris who? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll go to our lineup, back to our lineup real quick. Uh, very impressed, actually, with Rodak, especially in the QPR match. He, in that first half, he really kept us in the uh, in the game. If he hadn't made some of the saves he made, the QPR game match could have just been an awful experience. So, you know, kudos to him. He's definitely earned his spot. Um, and, and he's not afraid to, to yell and bark at commands to the defense and tell people that they need to be – dropping back and doing this and that. So, you know, he definitely is controlling his box and cementing his place in, in goal. The rest of the lineup, you know, AK, I I don't really slate him or put him down a lot. I've always said, you know, his first touch just wasn't very good. It always kind of got away from him, you know. His speed, enthusiasm, you cannot slate him at all for that. He really does get out there and give it his all. And the only thing, other thing I'll say about him is, his banishment to where, where did we send him again? Um, Turkey somewhere. Turkey. His banishment must have been the best thing ever for him because I feel like he's actually a different player on the field now. He, he's unlike uh, Knockhart. He's not selfish. You know, he 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 lays off the ball several times and was a key player. Uh, actually, what we've been calling for somebody to play with Metro. He really was bouncing back and forth with Metro and playing off that. So I, I thought. AK was fantastic. Sad to he- sit here, you know, from J Mac that he was going off with a boot on. I really hope it's not a bad knock or injury because I think he he's really kind of made a big difference to this team with his speed and energy and brings something different that we've been kind of lacking here in the little, you know, the first part of this season. So kudos to AK, I think. Yeah, kudos to AK. And I'll just quickly say about Chris Martin. Did anyone else see him? He actually uh, faked a face injury at one point by covering his face <laughs> when one of our players yes. brushed past him. It was hilarious. Yes, yes. Uh, he like, had chewed his gum. He smiled at our jeers. He was really happy to play the pantomime villain for this one. Uh, you know, I'm not usually one for you know calling men grown men fat bastards in the stands, but I mean it was quite funny nonetheless. Anyway, so let's talk about the brilliance of AK. Well, partly the brilliance of AK. Mr. Beclair, the seventh minute, uh, the first goal, talk me through it. I mean, AK with a great cross and a certain somebody gets their first goal for Fulham. Yeah, it's a brilliant ball in from AK, wasn't it? It's something we've really been lacking this season is quality delivery. And 
we've been saying all season that we've got Mitrovic in the middle who thrives on those kind of balls, but it was the little man, Bobby Reed, who's yeah. coming. Did he, I haven't seen the goals again, actually. Did he, did he toe poke it in or did he get his head on it? I, I, I couldn't see from the, ha- from the Hammersmith end, but. It was his foot actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, like I said, I, I haven't, I haven't seen it again yet, but it, it was great to see him get off the mark anyway. Um, and it's it's been a long time coming. We're in bloody November now, for goodness sake. Although I guess he he hasn't been he hasn't been playing that far forward in in the last few weeks. But he doesn't look like the sort of player that got twenty twenty five goals, or whatever it was, for Bristol City a couple of years ago. But at mm. least he's off the mark now. Well, he had a chance to make it two 0 when um, well Bobby was beaten to uh, sorry <clears throat> when Bobby was beaten to a through ball by the keeper. I mean, could, could Bobby have done a bit better there? Do you think, Frenchie? Well, again, I was I'm sat at the other end, but from where I was, it looked like he was favourite to get the ball. And he almost, yeah. It almost felt like he pulled out. Um, and it, it looked like one of those classic opportunities where all he's got to do is just get his foot to it first, not really have control of the ball, knock it past the keeper and go over the keeper and win a penalty. And that's what I thought was going to happen. But I was surprised that the goalkeeper got there first. Yeah, and Scott Parker said at the end of the match, where Bobby played tonight is probably his best position. And absolutely, I think it was. Um, I want to... Talk about Dennis Adoy with you, Don, quickly. I mean, he made a surging run through the middle past six Derby players at one point. He does Dennis Odinho, lots of moments of that. I mean, he's looking good at the moment. I mean, what are your thoughts on him? He's an absolute asset for us, especially how he can convert from centre-back, uh, from right-back to centre-back when we decide to change formation in the last few minutes of the game. I think, you know, the QPR match and the Derby match, he's really has just become another level, uh, at least in my eyes. You know, he was doing some fantastic footwork and skills. Uh, I, one of the big breakaways, he spun a player. You know, he he just completely went at the guy, spun around, dipped his shoulder, and he, he made one of these runs that I, I've been crying for people to take on the defense more, go 1v1, rather than just keep knocking around. And he did it brilliantly. And then, like he said, he, he went like, like three, four players, uh, you know, making this incredible run. So I, I you know, I I feel bad for uh, Steve and Session, but, you know, he's kind of cemented his place in there uh, as far as I'm concerned with the right back for now. So kudos to him. Yeah, but one, one thing that struck me as well um, about the Derby game was, We've been very cautious and very patient with build-up this season so far, but that almost seemed to go out the window a little bit last night. I mean, a few games ago, you'd never expect Dennis Adoy to make a surging run straight through the middle, lay it off to somebody, then keep going. And he ended up up front for the the end of that move. Um, And there were a couple of times as well where we kind of abandoned the uh, really slow passing and we, we just tried something different. And that's what we've been crying out for. And that's why it looked a bit better last night. It was much more exciting to watch. Would you say it was a lot more direct then, Frenchie? At times, at times, yeah, um, there, there, there was a moment just before half time when um, when Rodak took a goal kick and he went long. I think it was flipped on by by Mitrovic and it created an opportunity for Kenny, which he put over the bar. But that again, that's right. that that's Rodak brings that option because Bestinelli's kicking has never been the best. Rodak's very confident with both of his feet and he's got a hell of a long kick on him as well. And you might as well use use that from time to time, especially when you've got Mitrovic up front who can win those headers. Well, let's talk about that because 
Let's talk about the second goal. We scored from a bloody corner. And that makes now Mitro, in 17 appearances, he has 13 goals. I don't remember. Do you remember the last time we scored from a corner, Mr. Frenchy? No, I really don't. Especially since most of our corners, we don't even put it in the box. We play it short, and then next thing you know, we've knocked it all the way back to Reem and Moss. And so I Might can't remember... Been... Might it have been when K-Max scored with his ass against Leeds in the promotion season? Oh, yeah, it might have been that. I think it actually might have been, you know. It might be, yeah. Good oh, memory. Okay, what, a good. what a finish. What a finish. I mean, like, so let's talk about, well, the best opening 45 minutes from us for a long time, I think. Would you say, Mr. Frenchy? And there were some certain performances. I mean, I thought Cavallero had a very good game. I really did, yeah. I, I said to John, who I sit next to, I I think this is our best best 45 since probably the Millwall game. Um, we tend to start slowly, but a lot of people will say the way we play lends itself to being much better if we score early because then teams have to be much more open and try and get back in the game against us. And I guess I kind of agree with that. As you said, Cavalero was outstanding. He was causing them all sorts of problems. And it's rare as well, because because AK obviously had an excellent game as well. It's rare that those two wide players both have a good game at any one time. It's normally one of Cavalero or Knockhart who has a good game. Neither of them both have a good game at the same time. And perhaps that's because they're both a bit selfish. Yeah. And I, the other thing I thought with AK as well is that he got his head up a bit more. And although he looked exciting and he brought some flair to the game by going past people, he released the ball much quicker than Knockhart and Cavalero ever did and didn't try to do too much. And he was looking for through balls and he used the ball much better than um, than Cavalero and Knockhart did at times. But that being said, I thought Cavalero was excellent as well last night. Yeah, and something else I noticed as well was Cavalero and AK were switching quite a lot on the wing. I mean, sometimes AK would be on the left and Cavalero on the right. I mean, that's obviously to obviously change the play up so Cavalero can actually get some of his crosses in because obviously he's right footed. Um, Don. Let's talk about the second half. I mean, right after halftime, Mitro missed two chances in quick succession. First one with his foot, then a second uh, a header from a Cavalera free kick when it looked easier to score, really. But, I mean, AK-47's injury, uh, Knockout came on. How do you think it affected the team, Don, when AK came off? I mean, it was a real change. Oh, it was an obvious change. And, you know, a couple of things there. One... We, we lost the tempo, like you were saying. We lost uh, some speed in, in our play, which, you know, that's something that we've been calling out for, you know, since the beginning of this season was stop just going slow-mo, slow-mo, pass, 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 tippy-tappy, tippy-tappy, back, forth, forward, and, you know, change things up every now and then. And, and it's like what Frenchie said, you know, Rodak kicking the ball out long uh, every now and then, players taking on uh, defense 1v1. With, with AK on the field, we seem to do that a lot more and, and we seem to have uh, uh, more one-offs, you know, players playing off of each other. And then you throw Bobby Reed in there and between the three of those guys, you know, and, and Cav even out on the side, there were some really pretty nice one, two flick little passes and stuff going on. And, and then of course, Steph Joe, you know, you, you can't forget him. He did he, unsung hero. You know, yeah, he, absolutely. He, he, he does a lot of great work. So, you know, I will say this. I don't know. It's a shame on the timing. I hope AK's foot injury is not serious and that he's not going to be gone long because I got to say with him on the pitch, 
and Bobby Reed on the pitch. And, you know, we were, have always been questioning, oh, can Tom and, and Bobby be playing on the pitch at the same time? Because they're supposedly, you know, a lot alike. But actually, this really worked out well. And it kind of went back to last season when we had uh, K-Mac in and everything. You had Tom sitting a little deeper, and he can really pick out those passes. So between him and Reem, who can make these, oh, my God, you know, pick out a pass out of the back and set people off in motion. And then you had Bobby Reed playing off of everybody, making incredible little runs and stuff that fed into AK and AK putting crosses in. So, you know, I really liked that combo in the midfield of, you know, Ivan, uh, Bobby, and then Tom out to the side. I, I even, you know, with, with, uh, uh, Steph Joe in there. I really hope that we can keep going forward with this particular lineup because I think Parker might have stumbled on to something that a formula that maybe, you know, can really be our key for the rest of this season. Well, I mean, AK looks very similar in a lot of ways to Adama Traore for Wolves and that sort of physique that he has and the style of play that he has. i got to say that I think it sounds as if he's rolled on his ankle. That type of injury could potentially mean uh, two to three weeks, maybe even a month. I don't know. Um, it could be the new year. Who knows? Hopefully it will be in time for Christmas. You just don't know. But one thing I will say about AK, I mean, we can praise him to the hills, but he looks generally unrecognizable in this game I think it's the best game he had for us actually even better than the game before that considering I know he scored a brace in the last one just his game off the ball and on was fantastic I'd agree his first first touch was something I just including myself a lot of people around me in the hammy end were just shouting who is this man you know I mean so it's it was really nice to see and I I really hope it's just not proper too much of a sods law that he's injured for a long time but let's talk about Sorry, Sorry, mate, just to come in. Do you remember in the promotion season, right at the end uh, against Sunderland at home, and Matt Target went off injured, and AK came on, and I don't know if Sess went to left back, but it was a really bizarre substitution because it was quite early on in the game, and I think we were already a goal behind. But AK came on, and he changed that game. And his performance against Sunderland in that game ultimately got him a start against Aston Villa in the playoff final. So he he has got it in him, but he's just too inconsistent and too bloody reckless with his approach to the game but if that can be if that can be um refined and you know um i don't know where i'm going with this if, if, well, if that, the inconsistency you're right is a big thing so yeah. hopefully this injury is not a long one he's not gone for long because he was just starting to build maybe he could get consistency games so yeah and he's a momentum Fingers player crossed. and a confidence player. And he's 24 years old. And I think, you know, he has time to change his attitude. His attitude is already slightly changing, according to Scott Parker. But I think, you know, he is very much the guy who, he once he's in form, he starts running. And if it is stilted too much from this injury, it could take us a few steps steps back but hopefully it's fine let's talk about Anthony Notcut when he came on Don was alluding to earlier Frenchie how you know we wanted less tippy tappy stop slow-mo sort of thing Anthony Notcut comes on and I know it's it's just almost like he's in a different level compared to AK-47 which is something we were not expecting when he was signed in over the summer I just feel like you know he, he tries too much don't you think he was definitely trying to do it all when he came on it was like he had a point to prove and he had a couple of shots. One was deflected wide. Um, he just he, he doesn't release the ball quick enough. He doesn't pass. He's very selfish. But his enthusiasm is quite infectious. 
There was mm. one moment, though, where he had the ball in the left-back position and all he had to do was kick it out of play or boot it up the line and try and, you know, play it up. And yeah. then he cut back inside and he tried to he tried to run it out of defence himself and ended up giving the bloody thing away. And that's that's what what's frustrating about him. And there are a few boos around me every time he got on the ball as well, which I thought was absolutely ludicrous, pathetic, um, because he's a trier. But he just needs to remember that, you know, there are other players in this team who are very capable footballers. Yeah. And sometimes he needs to play the percentages game and think about what he's doing rather than doing everything himself. Well, he sometimes... Isn't that what you on. mentioned, J-Mac, in the con- our group conversation? Didn't you mention that uh, Parker you screamed at him? Uh... Well, yeah, actually, it was Parker. Parker basically and apparently was screaming at Knockup past the effing ball at one point. And I saw Mitro screaming at Anthony Knockup as well quite a few seconds after that, telling him to listen to Scott, the manager, which goes to show the sort of the level of authority that Scott has over a player like Mitrovic, which is great to see, but still it just shows, I don't know, to me, Anthony Notcutt reminds me of that dickhead that you play online at FIFA with sometimes. He literally just swerves around, showboats, twiddles the joystick too much and just tries to do it all and just annoy the other player and just troll them. Uh, so, but I, I'm sure there is better things to come and, you know, we'll need him on Friday night against Swansea. No, it's interesting you said that. Sorry, mate. That is interesting you said that about Mitrovic because I haven't, I haven't seen that that Mitrovic was saying listen to him because that you know he's he's arguably a um a a person that we we've talked about in the past as potential captain material and him him doing that is something that we never see from Kearney. You never see Kearney sticking a rocket up somebody's ass on the pitch and bollocking them. And if Mitrovic is doing that, then good. Exactly. You know, hey, we we do need to give Tom credit. in both matches, QPR and Derby, he he did get stuck in a couple times and put in some really important tackles uh, that that you know broke up play and let, led to some good things. So I agree, Tom is not you know that uh, get everybody fired up and you know rah rah let's go. But I will say I I did think again because he was kind of playing that deeper midfield role, he did really really well several times with a very important vital tackle or, or you know. Uh, winning the ball back kind of stuff. So give give him a little bit of credit. No, no, absolutely. And we'll get on to, on to uh, Tom in a second. But, you know, Mitro was definitely absolutely, not just on potentially on Scott Parker's benefit, but livid with Anthony Notcar at one point. And he was ushering to the side where Scott Parker was standing. Either that or he was saying, pass the ball more, get into the game. And it was really, he was really, really angry with him for at least a couple of minutes. Now, Reed came off for Onoma after a period of treatment. And, you know, Reed, hopefully he's okay. Uh, hopefully it's precautionary. Um, Josh Onoma doing what Josh Onoma does, in my opinion, being quite onomous. But I mean, Reed was walking fine at the end, so that's okay. And Let's talk about what happened because, Frenchie, it was weird. Like, you know, Reed and AK are now off. And I've got to say, the crowd around me were acting as if we were losing 2-0, not winning it. There was this, granted, we weren't playing very well, but there was just this aura of, like, one bad move and suddenly we were going to lose or draw. I think people can be quite spoiled. And there's yeah. almost a sense, sense of entitlement that we, we should be near the top of the table and we should be putting teams to the sword and we should be beating teams. Um, and I get it to a certain extent, but when you're 2-0 up, you need a bit of perspective. And, you know, I, I guess we've we've just seen so many performances this season that have just left us a little bit bored. And you take out the flair players out of the team who were setting the tempo and, you know, 
making making the team exciting to watch. You take them outside and then you're left with what you've kind of been watching for the last few months, which has been quite turgid at times. So maybe that that's what it was. But three points is three points and it was a good performance. It was. And I've got to say, Cyrus Christie at the end, you know, put a really good shift in coming on for Cavalera. Scott Parker went for five at the back or, you know, three at the back with the wing backs. And I think it worked actually one of the best ways it's ever worked for us so far. I thought it actually really steadied the ship for us when we were looking a bit shaky once AK and Reed came off. It actually made us look a bit calmer and a bit more, I don't know, a bit more like a rock for us. But it was because of that setup that we were able to make it 3 0. I mean, it was a, a kicking mistake by the goal, their goalkeeper, but Mitra waited and played it into Kearney. And it was just one of the, would you say it was almost like a mini Wembley goal, Mr. John? Oh, I thought it was brilliant. And and I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, people seem to be on Parker that he doesn't adjust things or, you know, that he, he's not tactical minded or whatever. I thought he did a great job, both in the QPR match and this uh, derby match, of adjusting the lineup and the guys on the field taking his instructions and changing shape and changing what they're doing. Now I will say, you know, that when we go to that five in the back or, you know, three in the back with, with the the wing backs, we kind of get complacent and sit back and invite a lot of pressure on. So I was really getting to get nervous, you know, when he did that. Uh, And so that third, that last goal, very unselfish uh, of of uh, Metro to to yeah. let Carney, you know, Tom well, uh, man. To put that in. So my only thing is, you know, I, I don't want to see him sitting quite so deep, even with the five. Yeah, and let's just quickly talk about Tom Kearney, last but not least, of course, Frenchie, because, you know, as Don alluded to earlier, he played very well for us. I mean, he actually had a much better game for us than against QPR, uh, wouldn't you say? I mean, he... And it actually shows that he can do things in a double pivot with Johansson. He can actually have that style of play without necessarily being where Bobby Reed was as a sort of tennis or, you know, forward attacking midfielder role. You've hit the nail on the head. I thought he was quite anonymous against QPR on Friday night, but against Derby, he was much more involved. Uh, he was he was much more of a, an engine for Fulham. Like Don said earlier, he was putting in sliding tackles, which um, we've seen more of this season. And um, I don't really understand what the double pivot means. I've never really understood that. But I, I thought he was excellent against Derby. I thought, I thought everybody had a good game. Um, and I've said before, but the, if Tom Kearney could replicate his best form week in, week out, and he was more consistent, then he'd be playing for a Premier League team. And, you know, he'd be in the Premier League all the time rather than just, uh, you know, every now and then when, when the team he's playing for gets promoted. But that's, that's the problem with him. He just, he's not consistent enough. And the last few days has just completely proves that point, I think. Yeah, I mean, a great performance from Tom Kearney and really well-deserved with a goal at the end to seal everything off. Uh, Don, let's start with who you think the man of the match should be in your humble opinion, sir. Uh, you know, I, I guess I would give it to uh, uh, Metro, you know, first putting in the shift and getting everything. But honestly, I think it's getting really harder and harder the last two matches to pick a man of the match because several people have just been putting in awesome performances and you know really stepped up these last two games so i'll give it to metro but you know it's really hard to pick somebody i think right now and for you frenchy uh, cavalero for me i thought cavalero was magnificent from the first minute till when he was taken off and um i think taking him off just before the end just gives him a little bit of a breather before friday night and hopefully we'll see the same again from him excellent performance from him 
Yeah, we're all going for sort of alternative choices here. I mean, there are a lot of people who would say Mitro. There are a lot of people that would say Kenny for the end and for obviously his much improved performance. There are a lot of people that, I mean, I think personally that a lot of people would say AK because of the change. You could see how much we missed him. But, you know, he didn't win the game for us. And, you know, it's hard because everyone, I was thinking about the game when watching it, obviously, and obviously afterwards, there wasn't one performer who had a bad game, so it's very hard to make a decision like Don says. I'm going to say Johansson, because I think Johansson has been, as Don once again also said earlier, has been a very unsung hero. Obviously, we all praise him, but he's been an absolute engine for us. Um, a maturity, actually, that we haven't seen before. I know he's made a couple of dodgy tackles, but I thought he absolutely ran the show last night, so I'm going to give it to Johansson. And it's also nice for Marit Rodak to get a clean sheet, which is always nice. Did oh, you yeah. see? Uh, did you see near the end when somebody, one of their players, barged into Johansson off the ball? That like it, it was a tackle that uh, Johansson himself would have been proud of. Just out of nowhere, just completely took him out, and he went flying. He didn't complain though; he just got up. Oh, I did oh, see that. Yeah, he knew what it was all yeah. about. He didn't actually care, did he? He's just sort of like, "Well played." <laughs> yeah, my fellow Darks arts teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, right. Let's go for your Parker rating, Frenchie. Let's go to you. You're laughing. What is your Parker rating for this one? Um, nine, I guess. He's stuck yeah. with uh, stuck with Kamara. who had a good game last week. Got us playing well. Mix it up. We try some different tactics. Try some different things. Um, could have had a few more goals if it was wasn't for some quite wayward finishing from the main man Mitro just after half time. He probably should have scored both those chances, and on on, on another day he would have done. But you can't blame Parker for that. Um, so yeah, nine for me. It was great performance, and the fans were singing his name. And Parker give us a wave, and he turned around and waved. So you know, silence silences critics after that whole game. I, I would agree. You know, I, I'll give him a solid nine. I thought the lineup was really good. Everybody came out energetic uh, for once in the in the starting of the game. You know, we've been really kind of falling asleep in the beginning, or we're just not awake in the beginning of the matches. So, I thought the lineup was good. Uh, I, it was unfortunate the subs he had to make and when he made them, uh, except for taking off uh, Aval, uh, Ivan. I thought that was really actually very good to take him off, give him a rest. But no, nah, solid nine. I think he's been doing really well. Um, Again, you know, fans are fickle. If we lose uh, uh, the next match, and everybody's going to be calling for his head. But I think he's actually been doing very well. For for this being his first gig, you know, as a head coach, uh, and, and especially in a league like this where it is so tough with all the matches constantly coming at you, I've so far I would give him a, a solid nine. Okay, well, three points, three goals – and three wins in a row. So three threes make a nine. So I'm going to make a nine as well for Scott Parker. <laughs> I think that's really good for him because I'll tell you what, I mean, again, I just think the the five at the bat worked, even though a lot of people don't like it. I think it actually changed us a lot. But when AK and Bobby Reed came off, we looked a lot more comfortable, even though it can be argued it's negative. I think, you know, if it is true that Mitra was trying to, there's just a feeling that the players are really playing for Scott Parker, though, and it's good to see. And I think us going three on the bounce convincingly against these teams after losing 3-0 at home to Hull is quite a feat. So nine for me, nine for you, and nine for the other for Scott Parker. All right, then, let's do a little bit of a Swansea preview under the lights on Friday after this. Fulham. Right, Swansea. Frenchie, have you got any memories of Swansea in the past, sir? There's one obvious one, 
which probably predates a lot of people, um, a lot of people who now support Fulham. You know, people probably weren't even born. But 1994, uh, we were relegated at the Vetch Field into the basement division when Simon Morgan was captain. And uh, Simon Morgan famously then led us back up two seasons later. Uh, I think we did the double over Swansea in that season, but that, that was a particularly bad one, obviously getting relegated there. And the the other one I was going to quickly mention was when we played, I think it was Alan Curtis's uh, testimonial in the opening of the Liberty Stadium in 2005. And the opening of the stadium was against us. Um, that was in a, in July in a, in a friendly and went down to that one on the train. Got really quite pissed. Don't remember much about the game, but I looked it up and apparently Steve Malbronk scored and we drew one all. So, yeah, we were we were officially the, the team that they opened the stadium against. Ah, very nice. And Don, I mean, this is quite a big game. Where are your thoughts on Swansea? What are your thoughts on Alfie Mawson? Do you think he'll get a good reception when he obviously goes back to uh, wherever the fuck they play? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I have no idea how Swansea feels about Mawson, to be honest. Um, I'm I'm not not a big fan of when an ex-player comes to your stadium that you know he gets booed or whatever he's got to be a real shithead of a of a person for me to be able to boo at him so th- there aren't too many p- players out there who ex Fulham players if they were on another team and they would show up at the cottage on the pitch that I would boo or you know slag off I guess Darren Bent's about the only one I could think of uh so I, I hope he doesn't get a bad reception uh we'll we'll, we'll see but if if it, I was it would be interesting. Fan. If I was a Swansea fan, I'd look at this and think, Alfie Mawson played for my team, did okay, got called up to the England squad, but we were relegated. And as soon as we were relegated, he turned his back and buggered off somewhere else to a team that were absolutely appalling and also got relegated. So he's had two relegations in two seasons. If I was a Swansea fan, if I was a Swansea fan, I'd be giving him dog's abuse on Friday night. But I don't know I don't know how they feel about him, but not not knowing how they feel about him, looking at it, I, that's how I'd feel about it. I think yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And look, Swansea are on a strange run of form at the moment. They drew last night and they lost against Millwall uh, last weekend. Um, you know, two teams that are currently in the playoffs, it should be quite a cagey game, especially with Al AK-47. I mean, have you got any predictions what you think the way we could line up for this one, Frenchie? Um, well, assuming that AK's injured, hoping that Bobby Reed isn't, then potentially the only change we're likely to see is is Knockout starting instead of AK. But I, I assume Harrison Reed's also going to still be injured. But you see, in a lot of these games, you know, when, last time we had three games in a week, there were a couple of curveballs. Um, you might see Onima starting. He came on and had a had a, a good few minutes the other night. He's a unit, by the way. That's the first time I've really seen some a proper amount of time of him playing. He had about yeah. half an hour on the pitch. He's a big old boy, very strong. I was a bit unfair, actually. He wasn't anonymous at, uh, anonymous at all. He was actually he was pretty decent. I thought he did well. And you're right, he is a unit. Yeah, so I, I could see him potentially starting uh, maybe instead of Bobby Reed if Bobby Reed's injured. Um, or maybe Bobby Reed. I was going to say maybe Bobby Reed goes and plays instead of AK. But if Scott Parker's saying that his best position is in the central of midfield, then that's unlikely. Um, so yeah, that, that's the. I can only I can only 
really see those changes, potentially Onomah coming into midfield, but up front, I don't see there being any surprises. It's either going to be Bobby Reed or um, Knockhart coming in for Kamara. Other than that, the defence kind of picks itself at the moment. And sadly for Steve Sessegnon, he's, he's nowhere near the team again at the moment. And it's it's right as well, because he hadn't been playing well. And he doesn't just get into this squad because he's named Sessegnon. Well, let's just read about their current form from the amazing Stato. I mean, they're currently in fifth. They've played 18, won eight, drawn six and lost four. Uh, scored 23, conceded 18. And they are two points behind Fulham. They haven't won in three games now. An encouraging start from their new manager, Steve Cooper, who replaced Graham Potter, who went to Brighton, of course. Now, the history of Fulham and Swansea. Uh, Fulham have won 31 games. We've drawn 10 and Swansea have won 24. Uh, we've won two out of the last eight. We have drawn one and lost five. Six of those eight were Premier League fixtures. The other two were FA Cup games. And the last time we played Swansea was actually back in 2014 in the Premier League. So that's that's a weird one. And we lost 2-0 away and we lost 2-1 at home. That rings a bell. Anyway, uh, we beat them at home in the FA Cup in 2009. But before that, our last home win came against them in February 1997 in Old Division 3. Anyway, we could read these stats until we're blue in the face. I mean, let's talk about some key men who we should be watching out for in this game. Any ideas you've got there, Mr. Dunlop? Yeah, you know, they've got a couple of guys that uh, I definitely would keep an eye on. You know, their top scorer, Baston. I definitely think, you know, we've got to be aware of, of his capabilities, you know, and, and kind of shut him down. But, you know, there's other guys. Uh, Andrew Awe, you know, four goals, four assists for a season. You know, it's hard to say really with, with Swansea because – like us, they haven't really had consistent performances throughout the season. So it, it's, it'll be, I think, a, a really interesting match for us. And I, and I think it could be a real challenge for us also because they're not that far off of us. They're only two points behind. Yeah, I, I, I'd look at Andre Ayew, to be honest. He's got four goals this season, four assists. Um, he's been in and around the Swansea side for, for quite some time and is... is He's doing all right in the championship. He's got four goals, but it's not 13 goals, which is what Mitro's got. Also, Wayne Routledge is still there. I remember when we had him for a, for a period of time, um, I don't know, probably about 10 years ago now. Um, he's he's played seven games and he's got a goal and an assist this season. He's, he's 34, but he's, he's still in and around their squad. They've got quality players. Um, if, if anything, I'm surprised that they're doing so well this season, especially after losing Graham Potter. Um, and Graham Potter didn't exactly rip up any trees with them last season. I don't know. I think they must have finished about mid-table, having been relegated the season before. Um, and then he, he obviously got his move to Brighton, and he's doing well at Brighton now as well. Six-year um, contract now, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, I must, I must admit, I know absolutely nothing about their their new manager. I've seen him on TV, and I don't know. He, he looked like the groundsman or something. He looked like completely <laughs> not the sort of guy that I'd be expecting to be a successful football manager. But good luck to him and fair play to him as well. They're they're only a couple of points behind us, um, and it, it, there's little between us in terms of um, league position at the moment. In terms of on the pitch, I think we've got better players, but it just depends what Fulham turn up. 
Yeah, and they all they favor a four two three one similar to us at the moment anyway. So it could, well, I mean, I think we're four two three one. I I actually pretended earlier. I have no idea what a double pivot is. To be honest, I just said it to look cool. But anyway, the point <laughs> is, I mean, the attack. They, I mean, their strengths, according to WhoScore.com, just looking at their stats, their strengths are attacking down on the wings. That's one of their only strengths, and their weaknesses are defending against skillful players, aerial duels, and stopping opponents from creating chances. If that are their three main weaknesses, then I have every faith we can bag three points and get four on the bounce this Friday night, hopefully. They're definitely beatable, though, because they lost at home to Stoke when Stoke hadn't won all season. And, of course, then Stoke beat us as well. So you think, bloody hell, Swansea away is, is a tough game. But teams do go there and pick up points. So, you know, it's certainly not beyond the rounds that we could come away with another three points on Friday night. Don, do you want to say anything else? Are you cool? Well, the only thing, uh, one, one other thing I'll, I'll just say real quickly is uh, I'm looking at the live uh, updates and QPR is getting beat right now by Nottingham Forest. Uh, of course, if Forest wins. Go on, Forest. Well, then they go above yeah. us uh, in the, you know, the, the table. But yeah, that's a good, good, good thing to see QPR getting beat again after uh, running into a dickhead uh, fan of theirs. Let it go, man. Let it go. <laughs> Let it Let go. go. <laughs> but you know what? I tell you what, actually, uh, another good thing is that Jared Bowen has just scored for Hull City, which basically means that we are strong in third. Now, actually, no, hold on. Just forget everything I just said. For fuck's sake, why am I even bother talking? One second. Oh, what are the Jared scores? Bowen, Jared Bowen scores. Shut up. Jared. Shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Shut up, Jared. Um, Hull City. <laughs> yeah, it was Jared Bowen. Actually, yeah, looking at the scores, Jared Bowen's just scored for Hull City. So that has actually helped us put Preston below Jared. us and solidified us in. Th- Stop it. Anyway, let's, let's call it a day there because otherwise we'll never hear the end of my love for Jared Bowen. Let's call it a day. All right. Thank you very much to my lovely co host. Thank you very much for listening at home. And if you like what you hear, we've got the website, fullandfocus.com, with all the interviews. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we are on all the social networking platforms. We'll be back after the Swansea game. See you then.